when you truly believe there is a power in the belief of Jesus that logic cannot get you there. You have to just believe. Five seven three six. The twelve most asked questions of Christians, part two. Welcome to Brothers of the Word, because brother, you need the Word. And today we are dealing with part two of a series called the Twelve Most Asked Questions of Christians. The last message, message number five seven three five, dealt with the first question. Of how do you know there's a God? Real serious question that really underlines everything because if you don't believe there's a God, you don't believe anything else in the Bible or in any other religion because every religion that I'm aware of has some kind of God in it. So if you don't believe there is a God, then you don't believe any religion anywhere. So that was question number one. For us as Christians, the second most important question involves Jesus and that how do you know Jesus is the son of God and you'll hear people say Jesus was just a prophet he was just a teacher he was just a man and this is a sticky question and there are two ways to answer this question the most common is with the Bible and what I call standard preaching that causes believers to shout you know he's the lily of the valley he's the rose of Sharon he's the morning star he's my lawyer in a courtroom he's my doctor in a sick the standard stuff the problem is you already believe in Jesus these 12 questions what do you do when you're dealing with someone who does not believe someone who has a counter set of information what do you do when you're dealing with that kind of person not talking to folk in the church not talking to people who are going to amen at the name of Jesus But talking to people, when you mention the name of Jesus, a blank stare grows across their face and sometimes a frown across their forehead. That's who these questions are geared towards when you have to answer that. What do you do when you're facing that type of thing? And see, it's not an easy answer, just like it's not an easy answer, how do you know there's a God? The average Christian will encounter three groups who don't believe in the deity of Jesus. Jews, Islamics, and those people of color who are Afrocentric. Now, of course, there are plenty of other folk, but that's the main ones you in America will encounter. They'll either be Jewish, they'll be Islamic, or they'll be steeped in an Afrocentric type of religion. Jews believe Jesus did not fulfill messianic prophecies that establish the criteria for the coming of the Messiah. They have a solid reason for believing that. They go strictly by the Old Testament. And they've got a set of Old Testament scriptures that they believe does not point to Jesus as the Messiah. They're not crazy. They're not stupid. They simply believe fully in the Old Testament. And by their interpretation, they do not believe Jesus is the Messiah. And they do not believe Jesus is the Son of God. There is a group of Jews called Messianic Jews who do believe that, but the vast majority simply do not. 
Islamics, they don't believe that Jesus is the Son of God. They don't believe that he was crucified and rose again. A particular verse out of the Quran, the Surah 4, verses 157 and 58, it reads that they said in boast, we kill Christ Jesus, the son of Mary, the apostle of Allah. But they killed him not, nor crucified him, but so it was made to appear to them. And those who differ therein are full of doubts, with no certain knowledge, but only conjecture to follow, for a surety they killed him not, nay, Allah raised him up unto himself, and Allah is exalted in power. That's from the Quran, but actually it's a similar verse in the Bible. Matthew twenty six eleven. Now while they were going, behold, some of the guard came into the city and reported to the chief priest all the things that had happened. When they had assembled with the elders and consulted together, they gave a large sum of money to the soldiers, saying, Tell them... His disciples came at night and stole him away while we were slept. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we will appease him and make you secure. So they took the money and did as they were instructed. And this saying is commonly reported among the Jews until this day. The Bible says it was reported in a verse and it began to spread that all that was false that his disciples came and stole the body. The Quran fundamentally says a very similar set of circumstances. Afrocentrics believe the original beliefs of man were African-based and Christianity is a European concept to enslave the minds of people in color. So basically, if you're in America, if you're of color, you're going to basically get these three groups that you will come in contact with, none of which believe in the deity of Jesus. Now, the first issue is this, because both the Quran and the Bible have reports of conflicting events, basically what really happened. I want you to just think of a big event that recently happened. doesn't matter what event it was, just a big event involving folk, just any big event involving folk. If you think of any big event involving folk, it's controversy over what really happened. Any event you think about, any event that splashes big on the news is controversy in the vast majority of them of what really happened. Now understand this, in today's world, virtually every adult has a cell phone. We got a cell phone with a video recorder on it. You got a cell phone with a camera. You have a cell phone with a voice recorder. In other words, every adult got full digital documentation of virtually everything they can take. Yet with all of this, and we've got CNN, Fox, ABC, CBS, all of the websites. You got all this stuff. You got all of this electronic stuff, all of this heavy documentation. And still with virtually every major event involving folks, you still don't know what happened. Theories run about, well, you know, this is not really what happened. This is what happened. You know, almost every major event, you really don't know what happened, and there are contrary theories about what really happened. Now, imagine 2,000 years ago. No cell phone, no video, no pictures. The only thing you've got is word of mouth, and you know how word of mouth is. I don't even have to tell. 
tell you how word of mouth is. You know how word of mouth is. So if man can't get it straight about what really happened about major events now with all of this electronic documentation, with all of this news, man can't get it straight what really happened now, how in the world do you think they can agree on everything back then? So I can easily see why Just in all logic, there are differing opinions about what really happened. So how do you answer the question or statement that someone else makes who is not Christian that Jesus was just a prophet, just a man, just a teacher? I'm going to give you three points. First of all, everyone in the Western world and just about around the world acknowledges that Jesus is different virtually every single day. And it's not due to philosophy, and often it's not due to his greatness of deity. You acknowledge Jesus is different every time you write today's date. If the date is April 14th, 2020, that date is always written in its proper form as A.D., April 14th, 2020. The A.D., it's a Latin term meaning Amino Domini, which basically means the year of our Lord. If it's before the year 1 A.D., it's called B.C., which is before Christ. In other words, whether you believe in Jesus or not, if they ask you when your birthday was and you were born in 19-whatever, it's 19 Hundred years or 2,000 years after the birth of Christ. So Jesus is the only man that even history in the modern world's documentation acknowledges split time in two. So whether you believe in him or not, and you may be some other religion or whatever, and you may have to fuss, but if you write a date, if you write a date, you must say this is a date. That is so many years after Amino Domini, the year of our Lord. You can't even write a date in the modern Western world without acknowledging the deity of Jesus the Christ. You can't do it. Now, in the Jewish calendar, you can't. Because they use from their original date of when creation began. So this is year 57, some such, such and such. So they get around it, but anytime they have to conduct business. You can't put no 5776 on your check. So even if you don't believe, you've got to acknowledge that this is so many years after the year of our Lord. So Jesus is the only person on the face of the earth in the history of time who has ever split time into. There was something about his coming that says this is before he arrived. And this is after he arrived. Now that does not prove the deity of Jesus the Christ. Does not prove it. But what it does say is this. Ain't nobody else split time. And throughout all of history, there's nobody else that the calendar is based on worldwide. In every modern country there is, everything is based on an A.D. and the B.C. There's nobody else that history in the world has thought Enough of 
that they literally split time in two. So whenever somebody questions it, you just got to ask them, you acknowledge Jesus every time you write your birthday. And you have to acknowledge the birthday of our Lord and Savior every time you write your birthday. And you can't get around it. So there's something that's just inherent that even in our world system, you can't get around Jesus just when you write your birthday. Point number one. The other thing they'll say is he was just a teacher, just a man, just a prophet, just someone who was very wise and very moral. Point number two, he was not just a teacher or prophet by his own words. And when you look at Jesus as a teacher, a prophet, or a wise moral man, He had to be either one of three things. And this is why when you analyze it, there's no way around it. He was either one of three things. He was either a liar, he was either a lunatic, or he was Lord. He's one of the three. Well, Pastor, why do you say that? Why do you say he was either a liar, a lunatic, or Lord? Jesus said that he was the Son of God. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the light. No man enter the kingdom except by me. He said all of this stuff. Now, either Jesus believed he was the son of God or he knew he was lying. There's no two ways about it. That's not a small statement. That's like if I said, I am a baked potato. (laughs) Now, if I sit here and told you that I am a baked potato, I am either one of three things. I am either a liar, I know I'm not a baked potato, and I'm telling you I'm a baked potato, but I know I'm not a baked potato. So I'm either a liar, or I could be a lunatic. (laughs) I could sincerely believe that I am a baked potato with sour cream. I could sincerely believe I'm a baked potato. And people do have... Psychologists call it the godlike complex. They believe in Napoleon, Cleopatra, Nefertiti, all kind of folk. So people honestly do sincerely believe that there's some of these other folk and they believe that they are in a godlike dimension. So sometimes folk truly are deluded. But the third possibility is I am a baked potato and all y'all just can't see it. So Jesus was either a liar because he said plainly and clearly by his word that he's the son of God, that he and God are one. If you've seen me, you've seen the father. So Jesus said that he was the son of God. And if he knew he wasn't the son of God and he was saying it, he was a liar. If he said it and he wasn't the son of God and he believed it, he was a lunatic. But if he said it and he believed it and it's true, He was Lord. One of the three. One of the three. There's a fourth possibility in that Jesus could be speaking on a level none of us understand. And that's absolutely possible. He could be speaking on a spiritual level none of us understand. But when you're dealing with people, it's going to be one of them three. Liar, lunatic, or Lord. And you can look at his work. And you can tell that such a man, he wasn't a liar. He wasn't a liar. Liars, first of all, they always have a self-interest at heart. They're always going to lie to you to benefit themselves. A liar is not going to the cross for you. He's not, he's not, a liar is just not going to the cross. Just not. So a liar is not going to tell a lie 
to benefit you is not the nature of every liar I know lie for themselves. They lie to benefit themselves in some kind of way, to make themselves feel good or to get something from every liar I know. And I know some liars. Y'all know some liars. So liars always lie for their self-benefit in some form or another. If he was a lunatic and he truly believed he was the son of God but wasn't, where did the miracles come from? Because that's another thing about lunatics. Lunatics may believe something, but they can't do nothing. So how do you turn water into wine? How do you raise folk from the dead? How do you heal incurable diseases? If you're a lunatic, yeah, you may believe it, but when you're a lunatic, you can't do anything. Everybody I know who deluded and who crazy, they ain't got nothing and they can't do nothing. They have nothing and they can't do anything. They believe it, but they're powerless. Jesus was, how did he feed 5,000 folk with three fish and loaves of bread? So when you look at this, that's not the work of lunatics. That's not a lunatic. So either he's a liar, a lunatic, or Lord. So when you begin to look at, in logic, the things of our Lord and Savior, and it's a difficult question for many to answer because people are so steeped in so much against Jesus or against religion. But yet, he was... One of the three. Point number three. No prophet or person in three short years has done more to change the world than Jesus. Nobody. No prophet or person. And I've studied philosophy and all of the philosophers from the Greek to the Roman to the great ones. And none of them have done a fraction. And they spent lifetimes. None of them have done a fraction of what Jesus did in three short years. Years. Wherever Jesus has been proclaimed, lives have been changed. I've really never heard lives changed from the proclamations of Socrates or Euclides or any of the other great philosophers of history. I just never have heard of lives being changed, of sins being cleansed and turned around. There's no greater name of power. But see, that moves into the preaching to the folk who already believe. You're talking now to folk who don't believe. So how do you convince them? And I tell you, people, there is no true logic that you can use. If there was a true logic, 83% of his disciples wouldn't have left. You got to believe this thing. And that's why Jesus said, these signs shall follow them that believe. When you truly believe there is a power in the belief of Jesus... That logic cannot get you there. You have to just believe. And it's like God. Even though there is some logic and there is some science that goes behind it. The bottom line is you have to believe. And the power of your belief in Jesus changes your world. And it will change the world of anyone who chooses to believe. But how do you get them to choose to believe? And that's the challenge that we face. See, one of the big issues that we have is this. Gandhi said it best. He said, if the world knew the Christ of Christians, they would accept him. But because they know the Christians of Christ, they reject him. You see, the best thing we can do to convince and proclaim Jesus is to live like Jesus told us to live. Because the worst thing that can happen is someone looks and you're hollering about Jesus and they say, wait a minute, 
You mean to tell me if I adopt what you're preaching for me to believe, my life going to be like yours? My spirit going to be like yours? That's okay. That's okay. You need to be a light. And see, when Jesus truly gets inside of you, the light shines. And the light of Jesus inside of you, it'll draw folk. I don't care what their religion is. And they'll say, what is it you've got? And whatever it is you got, I want to get some of that. Can you tell me what are you doing where you constantly full of joy? If somebody was always frowning and puffed up and man, I wouldn't want a bit of what they got. And if they told me this is Jesus, I said, this is Jesus. If they told me that, I wouldn't want a bit of that. So the best thing you can do to convince people of Jesus is to show them Jesus in your world. And if you don't show them Jesus in your world, it's hard to convince them of the power of Jesus the Christ. Let your light shine. Question number two. How do you know Jesus is the Son of God? You just know. He split time in two. There is no one who has done even a fraction of what Jesus has done. And he's either a liar, a lunatic, a Lord. And when you examine it, there's only one answer. He is Lord of Lords and King of Kings. The power of God just, people is just us. In the last service, there was anointing at the end for just cleanup. And I had been on a two-day fast, and I've been struggling with trying to keep my weight under control. I don't know how many of y'all got that issue, but I know just a pastor. Yes, I am right now. I'm eight pounds overweight. You said that ain't much. That ain't the point. Each one of us is called to a different level. And I remember last week when I did that anointing, we went downstairs for the... I wasn't even hungry after two days, after 48 hours of nothing to eat. And I noticed something was happening. My appetite was just reduced. See, sometimes the clean out, that's why God's meaning is sometimes further than we think. And I had to force myself to start back eating as much as I was eating, even though that anointing was on me. And I have a feeling this is what happened to many of you on last week when that anointing hit you and when the touch hit you. There was a spirit of clean out, but the old habit sometimes forced us back into the old ways. And we need to get back and stay back to what God has called us to. And I believe God has called us to really excellence in every single area of our world, to peace, joy, prosperity, health. I believe that with every core of my being. But yet we have to sometimes over and over recommit and rededicate our lives because we get off. And I'm flesh like everybody else. And when I realized this thing, I had to recommit myself as I've done so many times. Lord, I'm going to do what you say so I don't have to pay the price for the deviation. He's so merciful. He grants us so many times of messing up. But there comes a point when even God's mercy runs out. Biblical all day long. So our true testimony to our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ, is our life, how we live. Love the Lord thy God with all the heart, strength, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. People, those things are not easy. I don't sit here and tell you they are because they're not. It's not easy to love your neighbor, especially that neighbor. You don't know which neighbor I'm talking about. That Yeah, that one. It's not easy to love that one. So it's not easy to love your neighbor. But he said, this is the second commandment. If you do these two, all the law and the prophets rest on these two. Everything Jesus taught rests on that.
Love the Lord your God with basically everything you've got. We won't even give God 10%, much less everything. So to follow Jesus is the greatest testimony we can give because that thing will start showing in your life and people will be drawn to the light of Christ within you. They ain't going to listen to what you say, especially when it doesn't jive with what they see. They're going to be drawn to the light of Christ that is within you. I'm not going to have an anointing today because you were touched on last message just to clean up. And when we clean up, and that clean up got way more meanings than we think. God wants to wash us as white as snow. It's got way more meanings than we think. But sometimes that stuff just begins in the physical. And some of you felt it, but you fought it. You understand? You felt it, but you fought it. And if you fight it, it will leave. So for those of you who were touched on last week, I just want you to tell God, Lord, I'm sorry for fighting it. And I'm going to really do this thing because I want to follow you. And it's not necessarily it's about a cleanup in the material. Sometimes this is a cleanup in the spiritual. See, one of the main reasons why folk follow Jesus is because he healed so many folk. Because folk were sick. We're still sick. We're still sick. And he just wants sometimes just to clean our stuff out so we can get healthy again and joyous again and full of life and light. This is my communion. I don't take it until after service. And it represents the flesh and blood of Jesus. The disciples couldn't handle it when he said, Eat of my flesh, drink of my blood. And many said, This is a hard saying. And they departed from him. What could you handle if Jesus asked you to do it? What could you handle? What could you do? And these were men who walked with him, talked with him, saw his miracles firsthand, but they departed from him. What could you do if Jesus asked you to do it? Well, I'm telling you right now, he has asked you. You shall love the Lord thy God with fundamentally everything you've got. And you shall love thy neighbor as thyself. And to be honest about it, if most people really had to do that, they would depart from him. Even if they just had to love that, that neighbor. And I've had direct dealings with that. Where people have said, look, if I got to forgive them, I'd just rather die. And they did. What would you do if Jesus asked you to do it? But the point is, he already has. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with everything you've got. That's what it boiled down with heart, mind, strength. That's everything. And you shall love thy neighbor. He didn't ask you to love your neighbor with everything. He just said love neighbor as yourself. Those two simple things, but they are not easy. And they cause many to walk away. Eat my flesh and drink my blood, and many thereof departed. Jesus is waiting on us all. He really is. And he wants his light to shine throughout everybody. So that when people see you, they literally can see a glow about you. And there's something different about you. What is it about you? Something just different. 
It has nothing to do with what you have. It's a difference of who you have. And he's available to everybody. But you got to accept him. You got to truly accept him, not just in word. Jesus got over and over. These are the folk who, who really are my brothers and sisters, those who do what I say. Those who do what I say. And it transforms your world. Everything that God has for us, it benefits us in the here and now. What would you do that Jesus would ask you to do? But he already has. To love the Lord thy God with everything and love thy neighbor as thyself. Two simple things that are not easy, but they're so beneficial to you. When you start loving God, Really, with everything you got, he'll lead you, he'll guide you, he'll bless you, he'll protect you. I was out of town a few weeks ago, and, and the maid, I walked by, she just started prophesying, just pointing out. And she said a whole lot of stuff. And she said, you a minister? I said, well, yeah, as a matter of fact, I'm pastor of a church. And she told me two things, but she said, I see you've got a personal angel with you all of the time. And I said to myself, I know that, I got two, I know the names. And then she said, you got somebody rebellious in your church. And I said, hallelujah, ain't but one. <laughs> so, so God will watch over you. He'll protect you. He'll send angels around you. I believe that without question. All you have to do is listen and follow because he's like a father. He's like I am with my children and Pastor James and Pastor C. Elijah. We're not going to tell our children anything that will harm them. And Jesus said, look, if a heathen won't give his child a snake or a stone, what makes you think God's going to give you something bad? He only wants the best for us, but we've got to accept him. And I don't know why I hear God say, don't even open us up for salvation. I'm just not, because sometimes we're in the moment, and he doesn't want a moment. He wants your life. He doesn't want a moment. So you go home and think about it. You go home and pray about it. You let it simmer for a minute before you come down, and you rush down here, and you rush right out, and tomorrow it's gone. So think about it, and you think about what Jesus is. You think about what he means, and you think about what he's asked to be put into your life. And then what you going to do about it? And when you come to that conclusion, you don't need a church. You don't need a pastor. You can be sitting in the bathroom. Just raise your hands and, Lord Jesus, I submit myself unto you. And from this day forward, I recognize I'm a sinner. But, Father, I'm going to try to get right. And I'm going to follow your word from this day forward. And I give my life to you. Doesn't matter where you are. You can do that anywhere. But I want you to think about it before you run down. And when people ask you the question, first of all, they won't even ask you when it shows. They'll ask you, what are you doing? What's your secret? And then you can tell them the secret. This is the secret. And they'll be a lot more prone to listen when the light is shining. And they don't want to listen out of darkness. They'll listen when the light is shining. Amen. Amen and amen. We thank you for joining us today at Brothers of the Word. Because, brother, you need the Word. Amen, amen, and amen. You are listening to BrothersoftheWord.com. This was part two of the series titled, The Twelve Most Asked Questions of Christians by Nathaniel Bronner. 
This message is number 5736. That's 5736. To listen to over a thousand free messages or to send this message number 5736 to a friend, go to brothersoftheword.com. If this message has been a blessing to you and you would like to help support this ministry, go to iwanttogive.com. That's iwanttogive.com. Listen to brothersoftheword.com often because, brother, you need the word. Oh, brothers of the world.